welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. guilt from my wife that uh, she was uh, happy to throw my way because I, I made the mistake of sending her a photo of the fires in the distance and then she texted back, seriously? You know, I thought, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have sent the photo. Um, <laughs> sorry? Uh, the next photo was actually, did I send, did I send you the, the worst one? Yeah, okay, that was really bad. That was dumb. That was when the fire, that was when the southerly had come and uh, it wasn't just distant glow. It was kind of flames, you know, and yeah. And, uh, and we told the RFS guys, we can't see the flames. They said, guys, the smoke can cover the flames. It can just arrive. Dale's probably shaking his head because uh, he's a, a firefighter and knows all this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm strongly remembering a, a, a crisis situation with a motorcycle friend and Dale, Dale was there and a, there, were, there was one poor guy on the ground, two idiots and Dale. Unfortunately, Dale had the say because we said, he's okay, he's, um, he's wanting to sleep. And we got the slap around, which is like, yeah, he shouldn't be sleeping because he might not wake up again. And the other one was, he's okay, there's no blood. And he also, we also got the look, which is, you idiots, that means there might be internal bleeding, which there was, you know. And anyway, praise the Lord for uh, smart people who have done their first aid and fire. All right, that's by way of random introduction. Had nothing to do with what I'm going to share. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've had a two-week sabbatical, didn't come to church uh, here for a couple of weeks and used the time throughout the week to seek the Lord and study and pray and consider the next year coming, in fact, the next 25 years, uh, which is exciting because we've celebrated the last 25 and um, we're excited about the next 25 and we'll share more on that in our afternoon meeting, a team meeting today and, um, and uh, in the new year. Um, and one of the Sundays I went to another church and I was surprisingly um, nervous about going in. And I've been a Christian for a long time, been to all different kinds of churches. And uh, I rode up on my bike, motorbike, motorbike. Okay, here's another little ongoing thing we have. If you say bike, hand up if you think it means motorbike. All right, not enough of you. Okay. Okay. Because I call it a push bike when it's a bicycle without an engine. It's like, what's a push bike? Who calls it a push bike? And I was out in the trails the other day and one guy talking about his push bike. I went, oh, I wish, I wish my wife was here because you're calling it a push bike. Motorcyclists, I guess, call them push bikes. Ruth thinks that's weird. But anyway, a bike has an engine in my mind. Anyway, I pull up at this church and a bike and I, I actually rode out of the car park and then went back in again. I just, you know, I just thought, wow, that's so weird. I'm kind of like, oh, do I really want to go? I don't have to. And then I go in and it's a little bit different and, and uh, people look at you because you've got bike gear and they don't, you don't know anyone there and it wasn't a big church and so you kind of get noticed a lot. And, 
and uh, you've got to lean into it a little bit. You know, you don't know the songs and you're checking the place out. It's all different and, you know, and the guy gets up and who are you and, you know. Uh, but I got over the line. You'll be pleased to know I actually worshipped the Lord and learned something from the preaching. Uh, didn't sort of, you know, storm out or... Um, but it was an interesting experience and uh, it was so good. I'm going to go back. Yeah, I'm just here to say goodbye. Um, Ruth's doing a good job. You can borrow in some other preachers, you know, fine. They really, the coffee was so good. No, no, no. Um, and they did the right thing, you know. They, a guy, someone came up afterwards, because after the service, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll be going, but I'm going slowly to see how good they are, you know. Well, so, and sure enough, someone came and said, oh, hi, it's your first time here. Yeah, hey, oh, you want a coffee? You know, and they did the right thing. And, uh, and, uh, and the coffee was fine. That was, you know, and I joked, I said, you know, we all, these days, it doesn't matter how good the preaching and the children's ministry and the worship and the anointing is, it's like, how good's the coffee? Well, people come back because the coffee's good enough. <laughs> and, um, but I just, I just thought it was interesting, this whole sense of church being a community. It wasn't for me because I have my home and my community, and I'm so glad I do. If I didn't, then I would be committed to want to make that my community, but I felt it would take a bit of an effort. They're doing the right thing and they're welcoming me, but I realised it, it would take me an effort as well. I'd have to take some responsibility to, to commit and not just sort of fly out the door or, or, or step back or, or, you know, have my arms folded socially uh, and, and not want to connect. Um, but I, it made me appreciate the church and realise, yeah, it would be worth the effort, even if it was a little awkward. And I'm so glad we are so friendly when I see people visiting here because... Uh, it is tricky when you go into a new place and it's unfamiliar, but it's worth if you can get over the line by either friendly people helping you to feel welcome and also making the personal effort to be welcomed, if you like, to to connect and commit. Because I'm sitting there thinking, all right, it's all different, you know, but regardless of the style of worship or the physical environment or the individuals involved, it's the church of Jesus and it is the hope of the world. It is the pillar of truth in society, in a crazy mixed up world with all kinds of wacky ideas going on. There is a need for truth, for people to say, this is right, this is wrong. It's very uncool and untrendy. You've noticed to say right and wrong, black and white, yes or no, truth and falsehood. It's like, oh, well, that's your reality. Oh, that's for you. That's for the, that's all very well, but that's just not the way it is. You know, you jump out of an aeroplane without a parachute. It's not like, oh, well, I don't feel like going that way. I'm going to go and fly. No, you're going down. That's gravity. It's a law. It's a principle. You know, and there are some principles that God has set in place. There is truth and falsehood. There is black and white. There is, you know, some uncool, if you like, untrendy concepts that we still need to stand up to. One being the judgment of God one day, <laughs> the throne of God. And we need to help people prepare to face God, not later on in judgment, but right now with salvation, right now with grace, right now to get saved, to find meaning and purpose in life. And so I was re-energised and revitalised about the wonder and the beauty of the church. And I missed my home church, you guys. I missed that sense of community thinking, all right, this would be good. I could work at it. Imagine I was you know, new to town and I'm thinking through if I was an individual coming into this place, yeah, I could connect. But I thought, but how cool it is having already done the connection to have a home. Just like when you go home to your home and it's familiar and you just open the fridge and you relax and you know where the TV is and, the, you know, you've made the 
garden the way you want it to be and you've got, you know, where everything is around the place. Hopefully you've got a nice little spot where you read or pray or, you know, work on your hobby. You've got your men's shed or your ladies' shed or whatever, play out of the house you want it, you know. And it's the same in the Lord. He calls us into home, a sense of community, a sense of being familiar and comfortable and safe and welcomed. And, um, and I was just... Uh, refreshed with that concept and I thought I just wanted to celebrate the church, what it is. And, it, and I don't mean the, when you say the church, it, it can sound so institutional and that's what people are put off by sometimes. So you say the church or well, come to church. Yeah. And they've got all these preconceived ideas of some old fashioned place or set of rules or something but it's a wonderful thing. The church, Jesus said, I'm building my church. He didn't say building anything else. This is his plan. This is his uh, hope. The way that he wants to connect people and God together is in his church. It's his body, his family, his people, his community. And so look at this scripture, Ephesians 4 verse 3. And it says, uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit disappeared for a second there it is through the bond of peace and I, I read that around the same time as I was going to this church and thinking about you know church and missing you guys this church my home church I thought wow it's worth making not an effort but every effort to maintain unity and that's what I was saying there's a personal responsibility to ensure the unity of the community to keep that preservation of peace, that bond, that uniting connection, because people are so easily these days isolated, independent, separated from community, and sometimes by choice, and sometimes just by society being so individualistic. But I think deep down, people are looking for community, for authentic sense of belonging, for feeling loved and a place where they can love and be loved and contribute and be blessed. And, and of course, this is a bond, a connection, and it's a bond of peace that God builds within us beyond our differences and fractured conflicts sometimes. Uh, the Spirit of God comes like oil, lubricates the relationships and the connections so that there's still peace in amongst sometimes the chaos or the or the personality conflicts and all that and um and so it's very powerful when we can have this unity and community but it's also interesting be, the, to notice that the devil there is an enemy of what god is trying to build and we talked about spiritual freedom and how the fact that there is spiritual warfare and there is an enemy uh, and the devil, Satan, whatever, he's, he's against God and God's people. And he works hard to break up the community, the unity, the connections, uh, especially in the church. He doesn't like anybody getting along, but he especially hates it when it's God's people because they're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. There's power in unity. One can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight, the Bible says. So do the math. That's an interesting equation. It's not just two and 10,000. There's a multiplying effect of people working together and that comes against the, the devil. He hates that. He hates people falling in love with God and falling in love with each other and being in family and all that. So there's a wonderful positive to it and there's also a warning to make sure that we make every effort. I read um, 
uh, Aesop's fables, or not all of them, but I read of one the other day, you know, Aesop, the, the Greek slave that told stories a long time ago, and it illustrates this um, unity or the, the, and, and disunity. He told a story of four bulls. They were great friends. They went everywhere together. They fed together. They rested together. They always kept a close eye on each other so that if any danger was near them, they could face it all at once. And a lion came along and he was determined to get at them. Uh, but he could, never, he could never attack them um, uh, because although he was a match for any one of them alone, they were always close together. He couldn't take all four of them on at once. But what he did was he watched for his opportunity and when one lagged just the tiniest bit behind the others as they were grazing and wandering around, he would slink up quickly and whisper that the other bulls had been saying unkind things about that bull. And then he kept doing this. He did it so often that at last the four friends became uneasy, unsettled, disconnected and each thought that the other three were actually plotting against them. So finally, there was no trust left amongst them and they went off by themselves. Their friendship was broken and it was exactly what the lion wanted. One by one, he killed them and made four good meals for himself. And I thought, yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly what the devil tries to do with people and with the church. He tries to get people separated, isolated, and he whispers all kinds of reasons why we should not be part of of something together, part of a community, part of a church, and we shouldn't be, you know, committing to community, if you like. But we are not unaware of his schemes, the Bible says, yeah? And so today we celebrate church, and um, we celebrate the friendships and the fellowship, the opportunity to serve God, to develop our gifts for his glory, the uh, unity of the community, the the family, the the instruction, the encouragement we get from others, uh, the people that we can give to and uh, the people that help us when we're in time of need and the environment that we have for our children. We raise them up in, uh, you know, the house of God, in the ways they should go. Right now, all those little munchkins you see jumping, running around here, uh, you know, they're, they're being blessed and instructed and it's a wonderful community for them and they get good godly influences around them. So it's fantastic and I um, just wanted to, you know, remind us all of that, yeah, how awesome uh, the church is. And then secondly, and even more importantly, we celebrate God himself today because um, the church would be nothing if it wasn't for the Lord. Well, it would be something, it'd be okay, it'd be a good club and you could still get nice coffee and have friends and all that, but the Lord makes it special. And, um, and David knew how to celebrate God himself. David, King David, you know, in the Bible wrote the Psalms and of course he was wealthy, one of the wealthiest people in the world at the time, had everything the world had to offer, but you can read in the Psalms how he... He almost had a disdain for whatever the world offered. He knew that the Lord himself was the one thing that he really wanted to enjoy, to pursue, to find delight in. And we read about that. Look at a couple of these scriptures where he talks to, um, uh, to, to us, uh, communicates um, uh, just this understanding of not just the blessing that God brings to us, not just the, the health and the prosperity and the good things, but the Lord himself. 
and this is another thing I was stirred while I was praying, reflecting over the last couple of weeks, just to be able to uh, celebrate God just for who he is. You know, um, so let me read a couple of these Psalms. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, we can unpack that and you've heard that before perhaps, but uh, just the fact that the Lord is good and there's an invitation to taste and to see, to involve our spiritual senses, if you like, to click on a, an awareness of the, the senses that can come to know the Lord, not just to know about him, not just to have some faith, mental assent, uh, doctrinal recognition of God somewhere out there, theology, uh, a set of rules or knowledge of God, but a, a personal appreciation of and a, a relationship with, uh, an experience of God. Yeah? And then look at uh, Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. There's delight. You can take delight in God. And I found uh, when I was reflecting on this quite challenging because, as I said, David found his delight in the Lord, and there's so many options. We have more than David did, more options of enjoyment in the world. My father used to sit around the dinner table and pour a gl- He wasn't a drinker, but he was happy to have a glass of lemonade occasionally. That was about as crazy as it got in my house. Woo! You know, he's a very disciplined man, slim, you know, athletic, and, you know, his big treat was cashew nuts, you know, without salt. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and, and so occasionally he'd have a glass of lemonade and he'd sip the lemonade and then he'd, he'd say, Napoleon, Solomon, Cleopatra. And he'd go, what that? Oh, this is the speech, you know. And then it would be, and he'd say, for all their wealth, all the opulence all the world had for them thousands of years ago, a simple man in the 20th century can enjoy lemonade. And they didn't have it. You know, I'd say, good for you, Dad. You know, great. Um, <laughs> You know, and uh, it was kind of cool. And in fact, I've probably done it to my own children now, you know. Um, and it's true. It's true. You think, David, you know, for all the wealth that he had, he lemonade, man, the sparkle, the sweet, the shwip of essence and all that stuff, you know. And um, a simple man's pleasures. They didn't have sugar. They had honey. They didn't have that white stuff, that terrible but scarily awesome, tasty stuff. No, no. Um Apparently, the I Quit Sugar Girl eats sugar and got caught out. Anyway, um, uh, so why am I saying that? Cole, my dad, drinking lemonade, tasting some. David, so he, you know, we, oh, the challenge is all the things we've got to that, that are on offer in our world. It's so easy to consider them and go to the finest restaurants or save your money and go on a big holiday or buy that boat or. Didn't say motorbike, but that's not a bad idea. So uh, someone put on our family WhatsApp, let us know your Christmas presents. I'll just put a photo of a brand new Ducati up there and it was obvious, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there's so much to enjoy in our world, but, but can we honestly say that our greatest delight is being with the Lord, being in his presence? So I find that kind of challenging because sometimes I've got to admit, I'm praying to God and I'm thinking, Oh, God, where are you? I, I, I know I'm, I'm supposed to be delighting myself in you, but I, I'm a little wearied and tired and I'm, I'm finding myself just asking you stuff and can you help me out? And I, You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 and I'm thinking, would I trade this experience right now in my prayer time with God with 
dining in Corfu, looking out over the ocean. With a, I'm thinking, yeah, I probably would. No, but, but that's a reflection on me, not the Lord. Because if I press in well enough, if I tune my spirit correctly, then if the Bible is true, and I know it is, there is sweeter, greater delights in God's presence than anywhere else. One day in your courts, Lord, is better than a thousand elsewhere. That's a challenging thing. Thousand days, thousand, thousand days. That's a... That's three and a half years and you know, do the math. It's like, wow, that's a lot of living. But outside God, it's really apparently not as good as being in the Lord. So there's an invitation and a challenge for us. Um, and a couple other scriptures. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's Psalm 16 verse 11. You've heard that one perhaps before. Fullness of joy, eternal pleasures. Psalm 32, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, finding joy in God. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote about God as he is revealed in the Psalms as our all-satisfying object. That was his phrase. The object of our affections who could be all-satisfying. And again, I think that's a cool but challenging concept. Am I finding all the satisfaction I desire in God? Because that invitation is awaiting me. That, that is there. I can enjoy all that I need in life by simply craving God. Just, just Him. And, and this is not just possible. It's imperative for us to step into this. Because um, John Piper says this, Not to enjoy God is to dishonour Him. To say to God that something else satisfies you more is the opposite of worship it is sacrilege. I read that and I'm, I'm like, yikes. You know, am I, uh, you know, if I'm honest, like I said, sometimes I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I've gotta learn, I gotta develop an appetite, appetite, taste and see, you know, to, to really appreciate the Lord. And, and I wanna honor Him. I want to know how to enjoy Him more and more. And I'm not saying that my life is dry and dusty and crusty and terrible in my, prayer times, I'm just being honest that it's not always as sweet as it can be and should be. And I think if we're honest, we could all probably take a step closer into the Lord's presence. And this is, as I said, a, a celebration and a little bit of a challenge I felt as well to say, come on, let's celebrate the Lord and let's keep going on that journey so that we really do find delight in the Lord and not just in what the world has to offer. And so, you know, John Piper makes the case that we shouldn't be afraid of desires that the quest for happiness is okay, is natural. You know, sometimes as Christians, we might think, oh, people are pursuing happiness. It's so wrong and selfish and worldly and carnal. We just need to lay it all down and take up our cross. And But God puts a desire for things naturally in us. And we have a, a quest for enjoyment of life. And he says that's a good godly thing. But what's wrong is the direction that it takes or the uh, the angle or the, the, the substance of, of our affection that it takes. And so that we shouldn't be worried that we're asking God. He says, we think we ask God too much. He says, no, actually, we're asking God too little. We're thinking, oh, Lord, maybe I shouldn't desire so much. He says, no, no, your desires can be a good stimulant to finding real pleasure in the Lord's presence. And that we should actually be end up, uh, you know, not, not focusing on temporal earthly pleasures, 
but let our soul keep yearning for those greater eternal pleasures that are only in the Lord's presence. So actually stimulate and stir a desire for joy, but don't settle for anything less than the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So it's easy to just go, oh, well, if I have desires fulfilled, I guess that's all just, you know, enjoying life and holidays and food and wine or whatever. But, but no, 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 we just got to keep stirring that to be in the Lord's presence and, and, and find that there's a greater happiness in a relationship with the Lord. Anyway, that's, that's I, as I said, I didn't write this down. Clearly, I'm trying to articulate it, but it was just in my heart. So I just want to encourage you to continue to celebrate his church and himself. Yeah, the church is, is what the world needs. It's a place of healing and salvation and purpose and a place that we can call home and invite other people to discover as a, as a home and a place in God's family. And then we want to continue to worship and celebrate the Lord himself. On Sundays when we gather together privately in our devotional time uh, and in everyday life, in the middle of the battles, just that sense of God's presence and, the, and the, the, the fact that we are walking with the Holy Spirit and carrying his presence, stewarding his presence so other people are benefiting. And so that hopefully we're shining out more than just the angst and the reflection of what the world's chaos is throwing at us. People might find, oh, well, what's going on in here? How come your eyes have got a light shining and everyone else is freaking out? How come you're at peace? Why... And, and so that's a natural witness of what, the, of, of what the Lord can do in our lives, yeah? Praise him. All right. Does that help? I just uh, pray that that, that can uh, get unpacked into our hearts and be of use. And, um, and, of course, with Christmas coming, we have every reason to focus in on Jesus and uh, what a great celebration we have. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.